0: Welcome to the Puckin' Hass uh, excuse me. <laughs> right off the bat. Well, <laughs> welcome to the Hass Hostel Shoutcast number four. Uh, gatekeeper here with my usual partner, Pat Stankis from Puckrant.com. Puckrant.com. I don't know why I always get choked up on that one, but I do. Um, you can find uh, Patrick on the Twitters at Patrick underscore Stankis and of course at PuckRant.com. Um Today's Tuesday, uh, June 2nd. Uh, last night, the um, Blackhawks were eliminated. Um, but first off, uh, Pat, how are you? I'm
1: doing pretty well. Uh, the dog days of the hockey offseason are upon us now here in Chicago, so it's only downhill from here for the next two and a half months.
0: Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, actually, it's it, it's a, as I wrote it today, I, I wrote up like a little thank you post and shout-outs to a bunch of different podcasts and things like that. But um you know, at this point in the year, it's almost kind of a relief to be calmed down a little bit. You can take a breath. You don't have to worry about you know games every other day or every three days or anything like that. So <clears throat> while it's a blessing that you get a little bit of time off, it's a curse because that means the Blackhawks are done for the you know done for the season. But uh, for they, me,
1: for me, it's a nice chance to get my uh, heart rate back to normal. Well, yeah. uh, last last three games were. Uh, Kind of a little hard on the old ticker, but you know we're uh, slowly going to get back to normal here and ready for the draft and free agency.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, hey, uh, I wrote this, you know, after the the, the Hawks went down three one, and I said, you know, the Hawks, the Blackhawks uh, specifically, their stars with uh, you know Taves, Keith, Kane, Sharp, uh, those guys have played more hockey in the last you know what eighteen months than any player in the NHL with the Olympics, with the Stanley Cup last year. I mean, that was a lot of hockey jammed into such a confined space because, you know, the, the, that 48-game season was like game every other day almost. And, uh, you know, they went all the, you know, they went the distance and then the draft was like almost immediately after and then went right into free agency and then right into the, you know, almost right into the, the uh, training camp and right back up again. There was not much downtime or anything like that.
1: I think that's what people forget about last year is, yeah, it was a lockout-shortened year, but it was 48 games in 99 days. That's, you know, that's a lot of hockey to play in a short period of time. And I think finally it may have finally caught up to the Hawks here in the series with the Kings. But I thought the Kings also looked a little tired, too. But, you know, it's the same for both teams. You know, the Kings have gone to three straight conference finals, so they've played, you know, just as much hockey as anybody, you know, as, as some of the Hawks too. So it, it was a great series. That's all I could say about it. Probably one that we'll be talking about for years to come.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I've heard, you know, impartial people say that it was one of the best Western Conference Finals they've seen ever. Um, they said, uh, like I was, uh, you know, I, I do listen to America versus Wachinski a lot, and um, they were saying today that um, it. It was one of the best um, the only thing that would have made it a little bit better was some kind of drama or storyline um, which could have been the quick in uh, Crawford uh, near fight um, in, in game six where they uh, you know they met at that blue line and they kind of talked a little bit but there wasn't a whole lot of drama in this series which is it, it's good and it's bad I mean I, if drama necess- you know is usually, a bad hit, or you know something bad. It's usually, you know, associated with something bad, and we, you know, you don't want something too bad in the series. So, you know,
1: and I thought it was just a battle of two great teams that it, it is evenly matched as possible, and you know, the best, the better team probably ended up winning the series. But it um, has a fan of hockey, just putting the the black box fan fanhood aside that was just a hell of a series and like it like they said on America versus Wyszynski it was probably one for the best you know, one of the best ones ever and you know like I said I won't forget it for a while no just the way that that overtime game was insane in game five
0: yeah definitely um it, it was it was excellent and uh, I can't really complain much that, that was hockey at its finest, and anybody, I put it
1: on Twitter, I didn't get any responses because I probably pissed off all the soccer fans that are coming up for the World Cup, but I said anyone who wants to compare hockey to, and call it soccer on ice clearly did not watch this series, because no. it, was, it was awesome.
0: No, it was end-to-end action all over the place, and I don't care, I mean, people can bash me for this all they want, but I just do not get soccer slash football, I mean, to me, it's boring. There's not a lot of action. Um, it just it just doesn't do it for me. You know, one goal a game or two goals a game. Lucky if you're three goals a game. That's well, what the that's, NHL is trying to get away from. You know,
1: that's that's my argument right there. About everyone wants to say, "Oh, we need increased scoring. Let's make the nets bigger." Not necessarily the case for more scoring. Just look at soccer; you still have a, a net the size of a football field, and you still only score one one goal a game. So,
0: well, that's yeah. not
1: that's not the solution for hockey to increase mm-hmm. scoring.
0: No, and um, you know, hockey being a purest sport as it is, you don't want to mess too much with the vital you know parts of the game, like the net. I mean, you may be able to screw around with the equipment or things like that, or the rules a little bit. But when you start uh you know screwing around with the actual you know measurements of the net and the size of the rinks and things like that, then you really start you're gonna really start pissing off the purists of the game
1: we're gonna get another hockey league to start up cause, uh I don't think too many people would be too fond of that if the n h l started doing
0: that no no not not at all um so anyway, let's get rolling here we uh, we got a lot to cover so um We've got actually, let's see, games two, three, four, five, six, and seven that all happened since the last time. Um, <clears throat> but let's start off with uh, just some random notes that you know happened. Um, uh, the Rangers, of course, uh, made it to the Stanley Cup final, which uh, you know, congratulations to them. Uh, you kind of, we kind of went over this before. <clears throat> While um, Montreal did make it somewhat of a series. Once Carey Price went down, there just was no doubt in my mind that uh, the Rangers were going to win that series. I mean, I didn't think the Montreal was going to be able to put up that much of a fight, but um, I think it was inevitable that the Rangers were going to the final.
1: Yeah, the Canadians definitely made it a closer series than it probably should have been, Um, but I agree with you on that. As soon as Carey Price went down, it was... I didn't want to say the series was over because I was hoping for a a nice long series, you know, something that could, you know, make it memorable almost. But it didn't happen that way. You know, Lundquist had the bad game, but, you know, he he did what an elite goalie does. He bounced back and, you know, brought his team to the Stanley Cup final.
0: Yeah. And uh, we could talk about elite goalies and stepping up and not stepping up, but we'll do that a little bit later. Yeah, I
1: didn't mean to open up that can of worms or (laughs) (laughs) anything.
0: Yeah, for sure. But, um, just some, uh, some random things, you know, uh, league-wide, um, well, we go over some of the Rangers stuff, which, uh, we had a couple, uh, of questionable things. We had, uh, Carcello's abuse of the official. We had a Prust, uh, hit where he broke Stephen's jaw. Um, and then we had, uh, Moore's hit. So we had some questionable hits in this, in that series. Um, that's the series where the drama happened, um, kind of luckily, because you don't want to see any Blackhawks get knocked out of the series and it costing them. And equally for the Kings, too. You know, you don't want to see an injury cost in the series, and it was injuries galore in that Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah, that was definitely the probably the uh, thing that stood out the most, just how the Carey Price injury at first, and then the prost hit on Steppen was ugly, I didn't like it, and the same with the Moore hit. They were just... That's the kind of hit that the NHL wants out, you know, the blindside hit. So both guys getting two games. I thought, I think it was. I had no issue with that whatsoever. Um, you know, the East is what it is. Uh, I think that they, you know, it, it, I don't want to sound like a, I'm trying to make you know the East Coast bias thing sound what it is, but it's almost like they wanted the attention. So you know, you make it a little bit, you know, more on the edge, and then more people will talk about it, but it's it kind of, sounds kind of stupid to say but you know it's almost that's what it was like con- compared to the west where the west was just fantastic hockey if you weren't watching that it, it was like night and day the two series
0: yeah definitely um <clears throat> uh I, I don't know what to think i mean uh, no one's given really the uh, rangers a chance um i guess me included uh you know i, I a lot of people labeled the Western Conference Final the Stanley Cup, and uh, that's kind of how it felt, and that's kind of how the experts. But you know, who knows? No one knows what's going to happen. Uh, Henrik could stand on his head and uh, make a, make a series of this, and who knows what could happen? Someone could get hurt. So you know, that's why they play the games, I guess. Um, you know. The
1: thing I'd argue about that with uh, the everybody crowning the the Western you know the champion of the Western Conference the Stanley Cup champion already. If it was a short series, if the Kings would have wrapped up the Hawks in five games, I could see it happening. But the fact that the the Hawks drew it out to seven games, it makes it a little more interesting now that, you know, the Rangers are going to come in rested. Uh, The Kings, you know, that was a grueling series against the Hawks. It was probably more physical than you would have thought it was going to be. And, you know, I don't think it's so much of a, a runaway now for the Kings. I think it's going to be a good series and, you know, We wanted to see Lundquist versus Price in the Eastern Conference final. We didn't get to see that. Now we get to see Quick versus Lundquist. So, you know, we're getting that marquee goalie matchup that everybody wants to see.
0: Well, yeah, and you're getting, you know, I mean, really, the the NHL, once New York won, the NHL won because it was going to be, you know, uh, two of the top three markets in the United States. It was going to be New York and L.A. or New York and Chicago. And both are huge markets. Uh, in the Western Conference, so the NHL won. Right? I mean, they they, they just won.
1: So. It's it's probably like maybe like their dream matchup is what they got of the last three of the last four teams remaining. I mean, even if you had Montreal advance into the Cup final, it was going to be the same way. You're going to have that huge market in Montreal. So I agree with you on that. It's a win win situation for the NHL.
0: Yeah, and and, and today. Uh, Merrick versus Rusynski, Merrick versus were saying that uh, even the players want New York to make it to the, to the uh, to the final because that means it's more money uh, for um, you know that, that that's put uh hockey related revenue HRR hockey related revenue that's going to be thrown in that, that they're not gonna have to take out of their pay so um you know hey, I guess everyone's winning on this one. Thank, you know, thank you, Rangers, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, but um, one thing I glossed over was the Dan Carcillo gorilla salad um, abuse of the official automatic suspension that he got. Um, that was kind of, I mean, with the other hits that happened, um, they ended up being a little bit bigger storyline. um the guy's a douchebag. I mean, what the, what the hell is he doing? I don't care if the ref is grabbing you and throwing you around. He's the official. He's in charge of the game. you got to just ragdoll. you just, you got to let him do whatever he's got to do. I mean, he's trying to do his job. It, and it, some people, like, I heard people making excuses for, well, you know, the ref shouldn't be doing that, da-da-da-da-da. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for even tempting that fate. Well, how many
1: times do you hear the announcers uh, say the referee's got to get a hold of the game? And that's all the linesman was trying to do in that situation. You know, Carcillo, if he would have been third man in and, you know, was the linesman a little aggressive in how he did it? Absolutely. But like you said, his job is to officiate the game and not let it get out of control. And if that means pulling a guy away from a fight like that, that's what he's got to do. It's just, it's Carcillo's you know, just mindset of not thinking that, you know, it cost him. I had no issue with
0: the suspension whatsoever. No, I didn't either. And the funny part is it's an automatic suspension, and now he, he, he yeah, wants, appeal to, yeah, he wants yeah, to go back fantastic. and appeal it. How are you going to appeal an automatic suspension? It wasn't even like it was, you know, I don't know. It's crazy
1: how some of that stuff works. No, like
0: no, but I mean... And something else I put into our notes which which I was putting in there ironically is like, is Carcelo the X Factor? Look how many finals he's been in. He was in That's with the Flyers. <laughs> he was in with the Flyers. He was in with the Blackhawks. Now he's in with the Rangers. I mean really, I mean, uh, if the you know the Kings made it and now the Rangers, you know, he's been on both, he's been on the Rangers and he's been on the Kings. I mean what is going on here with this, you know, gorilla salad? I mean, I know he has no effect on the series whatsoever, but just the fact that he was on all these teams in the final is 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 pretty crazy if you think about it. You can throw him in the category. of, Come on, he's a
1: proven winner, you know.
0: Uh. <laughs> oh my god! You know, people you know, be lining up to sign him. You know who I actually um who I can compare him to and, and you might be too young to even remember this, but some of the older people out there remember this. There was a guy named Don Baylor. Uh he was in the uh you know, he played in the seventies. He was in actually the like in seventy nine I think he was the the uh the American League MVP. And uh in the eighties he was actually my favorite player, my favorite baseball player when I actually cared about what baseball was, you know. But he played on the red he, he he played on um like three different teams, and went to the World Series in three different years, like right in a row. He was like on the Red Sox, he was on the A's, and he was on the Twins. And all three years, all three teams like went to the World Series, and I think they may have won. So it was kind of like the equal of that. He was like, it, he was older in his career. He was a designated hitter, but he was on all those teams. He was like the veteran presence on those teams. So that's why I mean I can't even necessarily compare him, but that's the only thing I can think of that. Uh, equate[s] you know Dan Carcello being on all these, being all in all these different finals with these different teams. It's kind of close,
1: but the only other th- other player I could think of is Hosa when he had those three straight years ago in the finals. For too. sure, that, that's that's it. But at least Hosa is a you know a, a predominant superstar in the league, not you know a fourth liner who. You know, barely cracks the lineup half the time.
0: No, and when he does crack the lineup, he ends up suspended or uh, busts his knee trying to maim some other player or something. But hey, he's got that cute, ugly baby face that all the chicks like, so whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, back to the uh, the Rangers series. Um, Dustin Tukarski, um he was kind of, I don't know, I was kind of a surprise to me. I thought Peter Budai was going to, they were going to ride him. But instead they called up, uh, you know, Dustin Tokarski, who's virtually a rookie, brought him up and said, hey, you're the man, and and handed the reins to him in, you know, the the Eastern Division Final, or the Eastern Conference Final. Um, It kind of surprised me, but he did well. He played very well, actually. Yeah, no pressure there
1: coming into Montreal, you know, assuming the the starting role when uh, you hadn't really even played in the NHL this year. That's a no. lot to ask for, for a guy.
0: No, He, no. he
1: handled it pretty well, though. I, I yeah. can't, you know, uh, it, it seemed like Montreal had the confidence in him, uh, th- you know, to make that save when they needed to. Was he shaky at times? Yeah, but it's hard to fault a guy, like, you know, when you're thrown into a situation like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he, uh, when he played uh, in the AHL, when he was with the uh, Tampa organization, was he on that team that had that ridiculous win streak? Yes, I believe so. Yes. He uh he was lights out, I guess. You know, they they had that ridiculous win streak and they just kind of, you know, fired right through the league and won the championship and everything. He was on that. He was the goalie of that team. So, um he's a good goalie and from what I remember, they were saying he's only like 24 or 23, so he's still young and uh he may not have a future much in uh, Montreal, but Montreal could trade him somewhere that needs a, uh, you know, a goalie that now has some decent uh, playoff experience. So, you know, good for him. He's going to make some money in this league now. Oh, absolutely. So, And,
1: and if, if that signals anything, it's uh, Peter Budai you might want to find, you know, another home for next year because I doubt he'll be the backup.
0: Well, you know, I could go either way on that because, you know, when you when you got a backup, you know, an NHL backup, he's not going to play a lot. He's going to sit most of the season. As long as Peter Budai can win a, a decent amount of games and the uh, Canadians are c- confident that he can do that, you know, they may trade Tokarski for something else that they need. Um Be it, you know, a forward, uh, maybe a center somewhere, uh, you know, some depth at center or something like that. You know, who knows what can happen? I mean, hell, I'm not even going to go out, you know, I'm not up for crazy conspiracy theorist things, but, I mean, um, Antiranta is a a restricted free agent, and he's going to want to start somewhere. I mean, who knows what can happen, (laughs) you know? The Hawks the Hawks know the general manager of Montreal. You know, it's Mark Bergevin, so who knows what could happen. The Hawks may decide that, that, you know, they want to sign Kevin Hayes and send him over to Montreal, or who knows. You know, something crazy could happen this summer. And, he, you know, the draft is makes weird things happen. So,
1: Yeah, I got a weird feeling heading into the, this offseason now where, um, you know, I'm kind of almost expecting one of those – I guess you would call him a core guy, but, you know, one of those that's probably, you know, the secondary core guy. I expect one of those popular players to be moved, just one of them, just to, you know, shake things up, and I call it addition by subtraction. I mean, if you could get, you know, your need by dumping off one of those guys, you know, you got to do what you got to do, like, sometimes. Um, but, you know, with Tokarski and, and Ranta, is a it's a weird situation where – I could just see a team throwing a, a big offer sheet to a guy like Ranta. The Hawks may, may want to re-sign him, but the bottom line is the guy didn't come over to North America to be a backup. He, he wants to start, and, you know, he did did a good job while he filled in for Crawford, but I just you get the feeling that some team that's in the middle of a rebuild might, you know, have the checkbook open, you know, hey, here's a nice, you know, decent-sized contract for a guy who hasn't really started before.
0: Yeah, well, you, you would have two people were, or two teams that you thought may have done something like that would have been uh, the Islanders and Florida, and both right now are set at goalies. So who knows? It, the only other
1: really real team I could think of, probably that could do that, is Calgary.
0: Yeah, yeah, Calgary
1: it, does. Just off the top of my head, you know, I, I just I got a weird feeling that Calgary might be that team.
0: That, well, they could be with you know, with the management they have now. Anything could happen, but who knows? So and there's uh, going to
1: be a lot of there's going to be a lot of goalies available, but there's not going to be a lot of homes for for all them goalies. I, I don't see Carolina bringing back Cam Ward. No, and but, Ryan, Ryan Miller, where is he going to go?
0: Yeah, well, he's uh, rumor has it Ryan Miller end up somewhere on the West Coast, whether it be uh, San Jose or Anaheim or something like that.
1: I think the only logical fit for him is going to be Vancouver, but he, he made it pretty clear he don't want to play in Canada. So, you know, he may just have to bite the bullet and take what's, you know, offered to him.
0: Who really does want to play in Vancouver anyway? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's probably one team I would refuse a trade to.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, let's, we'll get rolling here. Uh, We'll get rolling with some more of the list because we got a, ton, like I said, we got a ton to cover. So, um, Barry Trotz was hired in Washington. The Um. They, Created a little bit of a, while he's probably was the best, he's probably not probably was he is the best coach on the market, and he's got a proven winning track record with teams that have been, you know, really um, cap uh, restricted. Um, Now he's going to have you know a little bit of a bigger uh, market team, and he's going to have a superstar that can put the puck in the net. Um, It could be interesting. It could be interesting in Washington now.
1: I still am going to stick by what I said before. He's a great coach, but if Ovechkin is really the one who runs the show there, it's going to be very difficult for to get him to buy into the system of playing defense. And it could, it, it might only be a year that this experiment lasts before Ovechkin says the hell with this and heads back home to the KHL. Yeah, it, it, it
0: would could, not
1: surprise me one bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you look at uh, Radulov. Um, he was kind of a uh, poor man's Ovechkin, a very poor man's Ovechkin, and um, he didn't last too long. But, you know, who knows? Um, you know, management in, in Washington, or not management, ownership in Washington loves Ovechkin. And, um, you know, they could sit trots, trots down and say, hey, listen, Ovi does what Ovi wants. And you could do whatever the hell you want with everyone else, but Ovi does what Ovi wants, and that's because we want Ovi here. So, you know, you never know. Um, so, uh, like that was part of my other thing was I was saying, you know, would Ovi end up in the KHL? Who knows? I think it's a lot of open, you know, a lot of open threats, but um, you know, it is what it is. So. I think
1: though, with uh, with hap- what happened with Kovalchuk, it's not out of the possibility that something like that could happen.
0: No, it's it's not. But I think, uh, Ovechkin's, I think
1: Ovechkin's got a better mindset than Kovalchuk does. Though, and I think, I think he has Ovechkin a different is, ego. He, yeah,
0: he likes it's, that American, you know, the flashy Amer, you know, quote unquote American thing. I mean, in Russia, you can't be that flashy. And uh, I mean, really, let's let, let's face it the quality of that league is is AHL at best. So, yeah. you know, but um, anyway, so that's that. Um, uh, yesterday I uh, released, which it actually worked out well. Um, I had been working on a, uh, a highlight video, Blackhawks highlight video, um, with all the playoff highlights and things like that. So I released that yesterday. Um, I didn't know whether... Um, it, you know, at the time I was, uh, taking my notes on, it. I didn't know whether I was going to be ready to release it or not yet, but, uh, actually I was ready to release it. So, uh, any of you out there, um, if you go, you know, to my blog at Puck and Hostel, um, if you look at the last recap, um, you know, the last game, it's got it in there. Uh, if you go, uh, you know, at Puck and Hostel on, Twist, on Twitter, um, I've put it up there. It's pinned to the top of my page, um... Or if you go to YouTube.com slash Puck and Hostel, it's on there too. Uh, it's just, you know, my little gift to the fans, you know, uh, um, Blackhawks highlights uh, of the playoffs and, you know, I thought it turned out pretty good. So, you it's know, a it, great
1: vid- it's a great video. I watched it this thanks,
0: morning. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it takes time. <laughs> it takes time, but it's stuff I enjoy doing, so um, I'm glad it turned out well and it seemed like a lot of people were retweeting it and sharing it. So, um, you know as long as it gets out there i just want people to see it they don't have to comment on it or anything but you know as long as people enjoy it that's uh, really the bottom line so um uh we were going to go over kind of a free agent wish, wish list thing but we're you know we're, we really are running tight with the schedule here so i'm going to actually push our free agent uh wish list off maybe to next time because we're going to be we're going to probably need you know i uh some uh content for the summer, and we'll probably we'll try to keep up doing you know every other week, but um, you know, it just really depends on what's going on, so um, uh, so let's get into the Blackhawks um, we all know what happened last night, um, everyone listening knows what happened last night, they lost in overtime and if and it was a hard fought series, um, I guess we had just uh, recap game number one uh you know after our, our before our last um shoutcast and uh, so game two um in Chicago um if we can even remember this I'm glad we keep no- that I keep notes because I I honestly I would never re- be able to remember what happened in game two but um we'll just go over some of the highlights of what happened in the game um this was a game where the uh, the, the Hawks they played uh, the first two periods real well, but um, kind of fell apart. Which this ended up being this ended up happening a lot with the Blackhawks, where they play um, you know 40, forty really good minutes, but um, just you know the remaining twenty, whichever ones they were, maybe it's the middle twenty, maybe it's the third period, they just were not solid and consistent throughout the whole game. So, um this is another game like I said, forty minutes. They played forty forty solid minutes and uh in the third period they kinda just uh fell apart. They really did.
1: That's um, that's a nice way to put it is that they fell apart. Uh they were just I ran out of adjectives to describe how bad they played in that third period where it just there was no other, you know, atrocious, brutal, you know, you pick. That they all fit in that uh situation there.
0: Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> you know, if, if they could have just pulled out one more of those those games, you know, it really, it really would have made a huge difference. But uh, you know, looking back, um, you know, we can look back now and, and question quite a few things. So um, we'll go down the line here a little bit. Um, Letty, uh, Letty had that backhand breakaway goal in that game. Uh, which was a beautiful goal, actually. He looked like Kane, come, you know, just, you know, skating pretty much wide open and backhanding over Quick's glove, which was really a nice nice goal. I have It's actually a goal that's in the highlight video, and uh, it should be because you don't expect that out of Nick Letty.
1: Now, that was a nice surprise to see uh, that goal by Letty, and the entire play was pretty good, too. Uh, with Letty, that was probably his highlight of his Blackhawks tenure, I would say so, to date.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, uh, from what I believe, I think I actually had a game that night, so I don't know that I saw that live. Uh, I, I think I made it out for the third period, which, of course, was a complete and utter nightmare. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, I wish I was still playing the game. but um, Yeah,
1: perfect timing to, to watch
0: that game. Yeah, um... Ben Smith had a nice goal that game. He was, uh, that was the long stretch pass from the Blackhawk zone. He came off uh, on a change, uh, right at the blue, right at the uh, Kings blue line. Took the pass, just came in, took about three, four strides, and snapped the pass quick. Um, that's something quick. I mean, hey, Mister Elite goalie. That's something quick. Really should have stopped. I mean, he had enough space to stop that, and it wasn't like it was just under the crossbar. I mean, it was glove side quick strong on his glove side but hey credit to Brent Ben Smith for hitting it.
1: It's that uh, bulldog type mentality with Ben Smith. You, you gotta like when guys like him can give you a goal like that it just adds to the, the whole depth situation and like I said anything any goals from guys like him is just you know icing on the cake basically.
0: Yeah and uh, that's uh, something we were going to bring up in the free agent thing but uh, I'll just you know, kind of gloss over a little bit Ben Smith and Jeremy Moore are restricted free agents this year. Well,
1: we felt the need to lock up Bowling first, yeah. that's all.
0: Yeah, you had to have Bowling. Had to have him. People, Double his salary. Yeah, because people were just calling and they wanted to trade for Bowling. <laughs> the guy that played, what, three minutes in, in uh, three minutes a game in, in the Western Conference Final? Had to have him. Had to lock him up. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's going to get me
1: wound up. Um, yeah, well, let, let's wait till, uh, what was it game five with Versteeg before I sound off on my uh, bad yeah. contract
0: talk. <laughs> yeah, well, it, now that we've brought up Bollig, um, game two was where Bollig took uh, a stupid penalty that kind of uh, started the uh, Kings' comeback, really, in that game. And,
1: uh, you know. I, I heard people questioning that penalty. You know. It, it's a late hit, it's interference, and you know what, if if you're a referee and you see number 52 jump over the boards for Chicago, you're going to keep your eye out because you know he's going to do something stupid, and you know what, he he did, so, you know, I don't want to pin all the blame on him for that, but you kind of can almost, you
0: know. Something stupid is an understatement. (laughs) Really, the guy, I mean, whatever you want to say about him, he tries hard, he's playing better than he used to. I don't care. The guy is you know, he's a fourth line guy that when when it, when it comes down to it, you can't trust putting him out on the ice because now Quinville's only playing him three minutes a game. Okay, we're rolling three lines in the Western Conference Final against a powerhouse like the Kings. Well, hey. He almost got away with it, but he didn't. So, yeah. here we are, you know. And because they got Hanzoos, Versteeg and Bola out there you Boy, know, that co-
1: just strikes fear into the opponent. That yeah, long.
0: collectively they're playing you know an average of seven minutes a game, if that, and that's only because Hanzu's, you know plays like eleven because he can uh, take some faceoffs and he wasn't even winning those. So whatever, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll go on. Um, you know this. Uh, you know a, a regular theme in this series was the Black Ops penalty kill just sucking. Now, I'll give credit to, you know, the Kings' uh, power play was real well. But, I mean, if you look back at the stats during the regular season, the Kings were probably in the bottom five in scoring in the entire league. And now they come out looking like the Washington Capitals' power play all of a sudden against the Blackhawks.
1: It just seemed to me like the Blackhawks were caught being mesmerized by the puck, and then they go skating out of position, and you'd leave a guy wide open, or you'd have the guy, a Kings player, in front of the net, and you wouldn't have a Blackhawks player engage with him, and then you just draw. Crawford couldn't see the puck, and you know you get you leave guys open at the point, and then you leave a guy in front of the net. But bad things are going to happen, and then when Crawford did stop it there's like another Kings player waiting on the doorstep because no one picks him up to put it right open, uh, put a puck into an empty net. So if he asked me, it was all about coverage, and it was just terrible, to say the least.
0: Yeah, I've heard two schools of thoughts um, on the whole, you know, letting a guy screen your goalie and leaving him alone. Okay, I get the point that, okay, you you can put a guy in front of the net. He can't be in the crease Um, So he's just going to annoy your goalie. And if you have a guy trying to push him out of the way, that just means you have two guys screening your goalie. Okay. That being said, if you're going to let a guy screen your goalie, your defense better damn well be blocking shots. Yeah, absolutely. Because your goalie is struggling to see around. He may lean the wrong way. Um, We saw Quick do it um, later on in the series. Where, you know, Quick was trying to see around a screen and lean the wrong side. Um, I mean, you're playing with fire. Either You could play with fire by trying to push the guy out of the wing, causing too much chaos in front of the net. But uh, if you're not going to block those shots coming through, I, you're really just playing Russian roulette. I I don't care which goalie's in net. I don't care if Quick's in net. I don't care if Lundquist is in net. I don't care who is in net. I don't care if Carey Price is in net. You're just playing Russian roulette um you know if a guy hit you know hits a corner he's gonna hit the corner and your goalie's not gonna stop anything so you really gotta um you gotta go all in on something either you gotta go in on all in on your defense moving that guy out of the way or you gotta go all in on you know blocking that making sure that shot doesn't make it through and uh, the and, and, Hawks and the didn't Hawks, either
1: yeah exactly you know, when you leave a guy wide open like that and, you know, like I you said, you're you're not in the shooting lane. It's like, well, what the hell's the point of, you know, leaving the guy wide open and, you know, came back to bite the Hawks.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think game two was where uh, uh, well, the lines were, of course, you know, Quenville it, it made some very questionable moves. Uh, some worked out, some didn't in the playoffs, but in this game, uh, he had some questionable line combinations. And uh, I believe this is the one game where I said, you know, uh, it, it it aggravates me that Patrick Raw has made it, you know, acceptable for this league that people can pull the goalie with four minutes to go in the game. I don't get what they're trying to accomplish with that. It doesn't make sense to me.
1: I don't get it either. It just so happened that it worked twice. If that you know, I think it was twice, and now it's like a it's caught on around the league, and it's just to me, it's not worth the risk. I, the whole point of pulling the goalie is you know the last minute and a half, the last minute, you know, And four minutes, you know, just seems a little too excessive to me.
0: No, and there's, I mean, this happens a lot, and while I play roller hockey and I do play ice hockey, in roller hockey it's the same way. You know, they'll try to pull in the goalie, but you have, to have, you have to have consistent possession of the puck. If you don't have consistent possession of the puck and you're not controlling the play at that point in time, you're just you're going to pull your goalie, you're going to give, it up, give up an empty net goal, and then that's going to be it. Um, just pulling the goalie to pull the goalie with four minutes to go, and they were, I think they were down by two or three. Uh, I'm not looking at the score right now, but I think they were down by two or three or something like that. You're not going to score even two goals in that time. Um, The chances you're going to give up an empty net goal with four minutes to go uh, is high. And like you said, um, some guy engaged me on Twitter about it. Well, it worked several times for the Avalanche. It did not work several times. It worked worked a couple of times, and now all of a sudden the whole league's going to try it. And it it aggravates the hell out of me because if the Blackhawks are not controlling play and not possessing the puck consistently... Doesn't make any sense. Don't do it. You might as well just keep your goalie in there, and um, you know, play five on five and try to control the play that way. But um, hey. I
1: think we saw too with the man advantage the Hawks had in the play in the this series. The play wasn't very good, so why the hell would you pull Crawford that early? When you know you're not even playing that well 5-on-4, so 6-on-5, what the hell makes you think that it's going to be any better?
0: No, it's it, it's a gimmick thing. To me, it's a white flag saying, hey, we can't, there's nothing else. There's no other solutions. So It's not
1: but, NHL 14. I mean, you're not going to ring up. Two goals in you know twenty seconds
0: consistently. No, so just, once, because just because you pulled the goalie all of a sudden. Well, you couldn't. Well, yeah, yeah you, you you can't run a power play effectively. How are you gonna you know How are you gonna do that with a pulled goal? You, it, it's basically the same concept. You just have one extra player out there to muck it up. So yeah. it, it kind of aggravates me with that. I mean, I I, I thought higher of Quenville than that. That he was more of an old school guy. And he wouldn't buy into that. But apparently, everyone in the league has lost their fucking mind and they're going to you know they're going to they're going to pull their goalie with 4 minutes to go cuz they all think they're you know Patrick Waugh, whatever. I remember
1: Keenan pull, Keenan pulling um I believe he was with the Rangers at the time and he I, I don't remember who he pulled but there was like 9 minutes left in the game and he pulled the goalie. It's like all right, if that's not signaling the white flag, then I don't know what is.
0: That's a exactly good what I said. I posted that on Twitter. It was like if that, if that's not the white flag, I don't know what is. Yeah, um, you know so whatever here i i I got a little something for joel Quinville here you are a meathead a meathead dead from the neck up (laughs) i pulled that clip just for him
1: yeah i hate to to question Quinville because the guys won two stanley cups but like you said some of the stuff was just head scratching to say the least
0: yeah um and um The Fifth Feather, um, which used to be a blog, but now he's a writer with uh, um, the Committed Indian Group. Uh, Great guys. Uh, You know, I think very highly of the group, all of them. Um, He said something today about, uh, you know, while the only silver lining of this, you know, Blackhawks being knocked out is that these questionable decisions that Quenville makes or or Bowman, whoever makes these decisions, these questionable decisions, um, cannot be validated now. You can question them, and you can say, "Well, why did you do this? Because it didn't work." Yeah, um, you know it. It sucks that it has to be that way, but he's got a point. So,
1: yeah, and that's going to come back. Uh, we'll probably do it in one of our summer shows about you know the addressing the second line center thing. You know when. Bowman said Christopher Stieg was his big addition. Well, you completely ignored the big need on the team, and you know, like you said, now now that it didn't pan out this year, you can question everything that they did.
0: Yeah. Well, just just for comparison's sake, the Blackhawks' big addition uh, at the trade deadline was Christopher Stieg, and the and that was in
1: November, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But in uh, the Kings' big acquisition was Marion Gaverick, who I believe was leading the NHL in playoff scoring, or at least in goals, I think, at this, you know, when uh, the series ended. So just for comparison's sake, you have that. So Yeah.
1: And if I'm the Kings right now, every year I'm making a deal with Columbus at the deadline because clearly it works out.
0: Well, Columbus had some pretty decent players that they poached from other teams. Yeah. You know? So
1: um, uh, who knew? Who knew the secret to getting Carter to play uh, play better was getting him out of uh, Columbus two years ago.
0: Hey, if you want Nathan Horton, maybe he'll uh, you know waive his uh, no trade clause. Yeah, and get him for what is he like six and a half mil?
1: Yeah, easily the worst deal uh, signing at the free agency last year. Yeah.
0: Well, Clarkson's giving him a run for, it, but yeah, yeah, It's yeah. <laughs> close. That's a good point. <laughs> it's close, but um, yeah, let's move on to Game Three, um. Uh, some some highlights um I guess this is where the 70s line really um started to uh, make a name for themselves um uh which is Jeff Carter Tyler Toffoli and uh Pearson I believe um there was the second line for the uh the Kings and they kind of just dominated uh the Blackhawks in the game three um
1: that, I think the Hawks were definitely at a disadvantage because they didn't have the last chain. But, you know, all too often, Hanzoos was stuck out there trying to keep up with Carter, and he just couldn't do it.
0: No, no. Michael Hanzoose, uh skates with Brett boots on, and uh, he, he's not, you know. It, but it just went to show by the end of the series, you know, uh, Hanzoos was Quinville's, uh, you know, security blanket. And uh, by the end of the series, Quenville didn't even believe in him much. He just put him out there for, you know, face-offs. Face-offs that he really needed that he didn't think anyone else could win when uh, Taze wasn't available. And uh, that was just about it. That was about all we got out of Hanzoos. So I, I we'll get into the goal later, and I'm rolling my eyes as I talk about that. Uh, Hanzoos is game-winner um, in overtime, <laughs> but, you know, but whatever. We'll yeah. just we'll just stick to the we'll stick to the agenda here um taves had a big game in game three he was pretty much the only blackhawk that showed up um well, I don't have the stats in front of me um you know I, I i know he 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 was a beast in that game, so um yeah
1: lead by example that that's what your captain's supposed to do
0: yeah yeah definitely um uh,
1: unfortunately, the rest of the team didn't follow
0: suit no, no, they did not. <laughs> They did not. Um, this was uh, this was game uh, Sharp scored you know meaningless goal with like three seconds to go in the game. Um, everyone thought that, hey, you know, this is going to be the confidence booster and Patrick Sharp was going to start scoring goals. Well, he didn't do anything else for the rest of the series until game seven. So that's just a and little spoiler.
1: I think I called it the thank you, Patrick Sharp, for scoring the who gives a shit goal of the night because yeah. that's exactly what it was.
0: Yeah, and, and you know the Kings had pretty much just, you know, they, admit, they were done. They didn't care. They like, all right, whatever, let's just go home at that yeah. point in time. So no one cared. Um, so game three, uh, second uh, game in a row where they played a, a, just a dog shit third period. Uh, you know, uh, it didn't look good. It really didn't look good at that time. You know, uh, the Hawks had played a dog shit third period at home, and then they go to L.A. and play a dog shit third period to start that out. I mean –
1: it was a troublesome trend, as I, I think I called it. it. It just it kind of summed up like a few stretches in the season, too, where they would not play a full 60-minute game, and it just irritates the living shit out of me. It's just, if you could just keep your focus for the entire 60 minutes, and I could take losing if you try, but when you stop trying, that's when I have a problem. And for two games in a row, the third period, it just looked like they stopped trying.
0: Yeah, well... It, and, you know, the regular season is a different uh, animal because, yeah, you don't want to hear a player say it and no one's going to admit it, but there are games when they coast. You know, yeah. Wednesday night game against Columbus, whatever, you know, they're, they're going to coast in some games. So, you know, it happens. But in the playoffs you can't coast because every game means something. You know, you can't say, well, you know, we'll just – You know we'll split at home, or you know we'll win both at home. We'll split on the road. We don't care, but um, you you can't do that. You you can't do that in the playoffs. Every game means something, and every game's important. So, yeah. So anyway, um, pretty much that was it. Game three, dog shit game. uh, Seventies line dominating. The defense was looking tired. Uh, The Kings were just running around the Blackhawks. It they the Kings looked like they were the Blackhawks, just you know running around. The Hawks' defense, and uh, you know, I I believe um, the Hawks gave up, you know, like two goals on four shots or something like that in the second period. Something was, you know, it was something to that effect. That just was not good. And uh, later on the series, uh, Jonathan Quick did the same thing, and no one said shit about it. Um, Yeah. You know the the league, and I love Jonathan Quick. I think he's you know a badass goalie. I think he's you know dominant and this, that, and the other. But um, you know it's so hypocritical that uh, Corey Crawford takes the you know the criticism that he does, and he gives up. He definitely gives up bad goals. But you know Jonathan Quick was no better in the series. He really wasn't.
1: Yeah, it was a very evenly matched goaltending uh, series. Neither goalie played fantastic. They made some big saves when they had to, but they also had some just, they had some goals that had some odor to them, and it, it wasn't what I was expecting goalie-wise in this series.
0: Yeah, and we'll get we'll get to goals, odorous goals uh, in Game yeah. 7. When we get yeah, I saw it. a
1: few last night. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. so uh, we'll just roll on to Game 4. Um, uh, game 4, um, the Blackhawks, this is where they, you know, went went down. Um, they went down 3-1. Uh, Bullock sat out for the game. Everyone was, you know. you know, pop the pu- champagne. Yeah, there were rainbows and puppies and <laughs> and everything, but it really made no difference. I mean, Bullock is a fourth line of the place, three minutes a game. He's really not going to make that big a difference anyway. Peter Regan played. He didn't, you know, hurt his, um, he didn't hurt the argument to play, but he didn't help himself either. So, um, you know. That was that. Um, game four. The, the, this is where the Kings opened up a four a four nothing lead, um, which you know. This was shades of the Blackhawks against Detroit last year, where Detroit looked like uh, you know, Detroit looked like a team that they weren't they weren't all year long. They looked like they were another team. Someone had been transplanted in and, and was wearing Detroit jerseys, and was dominating the Blackhawks, and they didn't. The Blackhawks didn't even have an answer. And this is the same way LA was in the in these games. You know, the, the Hawks are down two one in the series, and uh, the Kings jump out to a four 0 lead in Game Four. I mean, it couldn't have looked any more grim for the Blackhawks.
1: Yeah, it was definitely as soon as the four goal lead happened, it was just. It's kind of somebody popped the balloon, and it's just all the air went out of the team and, and the fans and everything.
0: Yeah, well, the fans in LA are a whole nother thing altogether. They're yeah. more worried about the celebrities sitting in the the uh, audience than they are about actual real fans. So, but well, you know, whatever. Um, let's see. Um, the, the LA power play still just completely clowning the, the Blackhawks p- PK. I mean, that was a that was really the uh the whole series was like that i mean there were there were there was some you know some games that the 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 penalty kill was a little better but um just the overall theme was the the black penalty kill could, could not stop uh the kings power play at all and they were taking dumb penalties which was just feeding the kings you're just feeding them games here take it
1: i've always argued all year that the first solution of fixing the penalty kill was to stop taking the dumb selfish penalties and they started to, to do that again in the series and just like in the beginning of the year it bit them in the ass again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't have people like Brian Bickel playing three minutes a game and taking stupid penalties. I mean Yeah. You can't be taking stupid, you know, offensive zone penalties. I mean that's what Dustin Brown does. That's not what, you know, uh, Marion Hose or Jonathan Tays does. It, it's not. Dustin Brown does dumb, dumb things like that. He always has. Um, and even Kopitar did it a couple times, Mr. Best Player in the World.
1: <laughs> best Slovenian player in uh, the
0: world. <laughs> uh, he's a good player. He's an excellent player, but he's not the best. You know, people are saying, oh, if he played in New York, he'd be the, considered the best player in the world. Let's not yeah, go that far.
1: Yeah, what was slipped into that Kool-Aid that they were drinking?
0: Yeah, yeah, that... that, that don't even get me started on that so the, the
1: um, other problem with the penalty kill was if they couldn't win a face off for the you know if their life depended on it well so, immediately you're gonna be you know behind the eight ball on the penalty kill
0: yeah that's a good segue um Jared Stoll was a beast and, and if he, if for nothing else that guy wins face offs like a machine and he was just clowning the Blackhawk centers I mean Blackhawk centers have been pretty decent all year and I I, would, I do want to go out and, and uh and, and go again and bash sports radio because I'm tired of hearing people talk about how the Blackhawks all year long haven't won face offs. They were in the top third of the league in face offs for the year. Uh they weren't that bad. <laughs> Last year they were god awful. This wow. year they've been better. Um they did they weren't that bad, but in this series, uh just Jared Stoll was just a fucking machine.
1: It, maybe he went to the uh, Yannick Perot school of face-offs, just get the giant stick blade, and, you know, he'll be a 95% face-off guy.
0: Yeah. guess. <laughs> he was just, you know, whatever whatever it is, there's some guys that just specialize in things, and, and he is a face-off machine, and he was eating the Hawks alive. From Game 1 to Game 7, he ate the Black Hawks alive and face-offs. You know, um... Especially, uh, you know, deep in uh, the King's zone, uh, he was just every time he was out there. It didn't matter who he was against. It could be Jonathan Taves, who is generally one of the top five, ten faceoff guys in the league. He would eat him up too. Um, you know, he was just, you know, he's the guy who you know you'd love to have as your third or fourth line center, not Michael Hansus, who's you know fucking ten, you know five years too old. Yeah. And you know, while he can't win a faceoff, it just goes to show that there were plenty of games in, in these playoffs where he was just obliterated at the faceoff dot. So,
1: I just really want to touch on this one really quick too. Anyone that that thinks Tarabinin would have made a difference in this series as a center. You, you clearly weren't watching because he would have been eaten alive at the face-off dot as well. Oh, he's too—he's too, he's too small to to play against the Kings team.
0: No, if he can, if if Tevou, uh was was in the NHL right now, he would probably be winning an average of maybe thirty percent of his face-offs.
1: If that, I think that's generous. Yeah, yeah,
0: he's too small. He's just not a face-off guy. I mean, he's a skilled player, but he's not a face-off guy.
1: No. Uh, like I said, I don't want the guy to fail either. It's just. We need to have realistic expectations when it comes to that guy. And right now, if you honestly think that he would have made a difference in this series, because I saw that a lot today on Twitter and last night, that people are saying, oh, Tara Vine's going to come in and solve all the problems. You need to seriously take another look at, you know, the situations. hes at least a year or two years off of being an NHL-ready center.
0: Yeah, I uh, actually retweeted something you said about that, um, and uh, Andrew Sezlack from uh, Slacky from uh, Hockey Night actually he actually retweeted it again and just put an uh, an LOL laugh out loud in front of it because I think he didn't—I don't think he understood that um, that you were actually being like you know hey idiots you know yeah. why are you know you know, that you weren't bringing up the subject, it was actually a subject that you saw and you were kind of squashing it kind of thing. So It's
1: just, that's just a, a you know, we have the, we, we tend to have those, uh, you know, topics that really set us off and that's, the Tara Vinan talk just, it lights a fuse under me where it just, it makes me want to rip my eyeballs out and throw up on them just because they're it just irritates the hell out of me. Yep. And I don't know why, that's the best part, it's just... People, I think it's just the unrealistic expectations people have
0: yep Tevu and come on down in two years <laughs> I
1: didn't mean to get off topic but that's no, no, a no. thing I had to bring up no
0: no no that's good um I'm sure we would have got got there in some at some. Yeah, point. I don't
1: think I could get through a, a shoutcast without bringing his name up.
0: No, no, that's the same with Versteeg, which we'll get to that later. Between Boyd Versteeg and Terravinen. we could are, spend an
1: hour on Versteeg alone.
0: Those are those are all consistent uh, subjects on the shoutcast. So um, we'll yeah. get back to game four, so we can get into game five and get five, six, and seven. Uh, game four. Uh, this is where Saad, um Sad started to really um, come through and become a, a more of a dominant player, a top six player, a consistent top six player that was dangerous. Um, this is where we started to see it. Was Game Four? He really showed it in Game Five, but um, the momentum started to started to you know he started to gain momentum in yeah, Game Four. And-
1: and we also had a Brian Bickle sighting in Game Four.
0: Yes, yes. Well, you know, he was pretty much uh, for the most part, and and I said this in Game Seven. He pretty much disappeared for the whole series. But I'll cut him a little bit of slack because in the in, in the opening two series, he was he was pretty solid. Um, you know, if you really want to knock someone, we'll knock Patrick Sharp, and we'll talk more about him later. Yeah. But um, you know, hey, he's Mister, you know, top six money man. Um and whatever's going on in your life, um, this is the NHL, man. You're getting paid a million dollars, so you got to produce. And yeah, uh, Sharp did not until Game Seven. So, but um, but that, that, well, that's enough of Game Four. Um, the final was four two. The game wasn't even really that close. Um, you know, like I said, the the, the Kings Kings jumped out to a four nothing lead and uh, basically just sat on that lead, and the Blackhawks came yeah. up with a couple later goals.
1: It's safe to say that the Kings just took their foot off the gas in that game.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And,
1: and I saw people sit there and say, that you know, comment on that one, too. Um, you, know, you know, oh, it looks like the Kings are getting tired. It's like, eh, you know, you're up for nothing. You, you tend to get a little lackadaisical, so... I wasn't gonna to put too much stock into that the kings all of a sudden got tired.
0: No, 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 no. You could definitely tell that you know, you go up four nothing and you kinda of let off a little bit and you, you kinda of let some of your peripheral, your third and fourth line players play a little more so that you know, you don't have to put your top players out there to get hurt. You don't want Kopitar getting hurt in a four nothing game, you know what I mean? Yeah. So That's what you have Doughty. guys
1: like Kyle Clifford for.
0: Yeah. You don't want Dowdy getting hurt, you know? Yeah. So uh on to game five. Uh, game five was the sod game. I will, I will, I will anoint at the Sod game, where he just completely opened up and uh, showed the NHL, hey, here I am, I and I'm dangerous, and I am man child hear me roar, and uh, which is good because I am a big Brandon Sod fan. He's a big body, he's fast, he's you know, he's dangerous, and uh, while he's young, uh, you know, people a lot of people were you know because he got you know healthy scratched at some point. Um, people question Sod. This he's still a young player. He's a young big player. He's got a lot of talent, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to see him break through because he pretty much from four uh, through games four, five, six, and seven, he was uh, a steady contributor and a dangerous player.
1: You could almost argue he was probably the best Hawks player in the, the last half of the series. He was that good.
0: Yeah. If well, if you didn't have you know Kane, yeah. other than Kane, I would definitely say Sod was number two for yeah. sure yeah um Saad just completely beasted that game he was just out of control he was he was given the king's fits and,
1: and uh, you know I think another thing that you can't underestimate is Saad's first two years he's gone to a Stanley Cup final and now a conference final, so the playoff experience that he's got at such a young age you know down the road that you know that's just gonna be helpful,
0: yeah uh, he's a good player man he's uh I like him. And uh, I'm glad he's gonna be around uh, I believe next season he's an RFA. So uh is it next which
1: season? uh makes me kinda worry, you know. Bickle was what making $560, 561000 dollars last year yeah. and he jumped up to four million. Yeah. Lord only knows what ha- what's gonna happen with Sod.
0: Well we're gonna but that's have, still
1: a a year and a half away, but it's still, you know. Yeah, still scares a living shit out of me.
0: Well, you, what's going to scare the living shit out of everyone this summer is once the once June or uh, July first hits, um, the, the Kane and Taves are in the final years of their deals.
1: Yeah, that won't get tired so I'm really no. quick, you know.
0: No, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, people you know smarter than me uh, seem to think that um they'll be locked up, um possibly by the convention. Really? That's soon? Yeah, that, that'll that be the big announcement because they seem to, every year, have a, an announcement, uh, whether it's the Quenville extension or whatever the case is, um, they, they, they seem to think that, um, you know, Cane and Taves will be the big announcement at the convention. And uh, there's nothing out there to tell me that um, either one of those two want to test the market and that either one of those two won't give the Hawks a fair... Deal uh, to stay here for long, long term. So, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, I'd be a little more worried about Sad because you don't know where you're going to get out of him. He's still young. He's still a little green. Uh, but um, you know, being an RFA, the Blackhawks can match. Uh, it just depends on what the uh, what the cap is at that point in time. So,
1: could be another Emerson situation next summer. Yeah, with Sad,
0: you never know. He may he may do some kind of you know some kind of bridge deal where. He, you know, takes a three-year deal at a you know modest amount and, uh, you know, breaks through. Uh, we yeah, can only hope.
1: that'd be nice. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, game five, anyway, back to game five. Uh, Kane, um, well, he, he I, I don't know how you can pull this off, but having a quiet game with four points, which is what he did with all the, you know, all the hullabaloo with uh, side playing a good game, and uh, everything going on, and the Hawks actually um, winning in double overtime. Kane had four assists that game, uh, and he was, you know, he wasn't just the second assist on all those goals. He was the primary f- feed on on some, uh, you know, on majority of those goals. So, you know, Kane stepping up, being being uh, that clutch guy, and one of the top players in the NHL, as we've said, you know, in the past three uh, shoutcasts, He's the money man, man. Between him and Taves, those two are those are the money, man. Yeah, it, t- at times
1: in the playoffs, you need your role players to step up, but you also need your star players to be your best players at times. And we saw that with Kane, and, and you saw that with Taves, too, in this series. Uh, unfortunately for Taves in, in Game 3, uh, like we said, he, he was the best player, but nobody else showed up, whereas uh, with Kane, you had Sod show up, and that, that whole line of Shaw, uh, Saad, Shaw, and Kane was pretty dominant, to say the least.
0: Yeah, that that was, uh, Quentin will put that later to, or together later in the series, and uh, that showed some promise. Um, while Shaw, you don't necessarily want to be your second line center, um, you know, Kane and Saad take some of the uh, spotlight off of that, and... Uh, Shaw mucks it up in front of the net, and none of those other two players are going to do it. So the other two players can play the perimeter, and uh, Shaw can just eat sticks and, you know, get hit in the face with pucks or whatever he's going to do, and screen goalie, fall over Jonathan Quake, whatever. Um,
1: he That is a good point. He is kind of effective in that role, in that line, because he is the one who's willing to cause the chaos in front of the net. But at the same time, it's like if you're really depending on Andrew Shaw to be your answer at second line center, that's it's a short term answer, if anything. And I think you kind of saw that in this series because Game Seven, you know, they they weren't as dominant; they were still good, but it started to the Kings started to have an answer for it.
0: Yeah, and uh, so let's see. The Hawks jumped out to a three-one lead, um, and then they gave up three straight goals. I believe. Um, yeah, this is, that's another reoccurring theme is the Blackhawks giving up leads, which is not something they do very often. Uh, they seem to do it a lot to LA. Um, they were, you know, two and three goal leads and would disappear. Uh, they did it, uh, especially in game seven. Uh, they lost lead twice. Um, one, one was one goal lead. One was a two goal lead, but, um, you know, if you can't hold the lead in the playoffs, uh, I can't do yeah. much for you.
1: Yeah, you probably don't deserve to win if you can't hold the lead.
0: No. And, and, and
1: it was mainly it was all the little things, too, that, you know, bit the Hawks, whether it was not getting the puck out or a blind pass up the middle, not clearing out traffic in front of Crawford. It was just all those little things that they added up, and that's, you know, kind of like the frustrating, you know, theme. But, you know you got to be able to deal with stuff like that you can't let you know you got to be able to do the little things in the playoffs
0: yeah for sure um, that was the game uh, old man Zeus ended up uh, ended up winning the game in double overtime um, I, I, I don't care if he scored the game winning goal in overtime. I still got no use for the guy. Uh, Thank
1: you. He, Somebody else agrees
0: with me. <laughs> he he happened to be out on the ice because Quenville needed someone to win a faceoff. He didn't have Shaw out on the ice. He put Hanzoos out there. The rush ended up going down the ice. Hanzoos didn't change. And because everyone was focused on Saad, who had been completely just torching the defense all game, and Kane, who had been assisting on everything all game long, the the, the defense said, oh, you know, old man Hanzoos, who gives a crap, you know? He's slow he's old we could just you know he's not, not pay attention to, to him. The,
1: he's not gonna beat me to the front of the neck because he's using a walker
0: yeah and uh, you know he just he, he got a nice pass from side and um, you know he put a pass quick uh, it was just, he was in the right place at the right time and uh, he put the puck where it should be there was there was nothing difficult about the play he didn't dance around anyone he didn't you know he just he received the pass. He took a couple, he took a couple, uh, stride or two, and he and he, you know, put the shot high glove side. It's something that just about any player in the NHL should be able to do. So I guess still got no use for the guy. But you know, every he was the hero for a game. Yip yippee!
1: Um, yeah, I, I think I, I said this uh, to some of the people I was talking to about that game. I said, you know what? You're like, all right, Hanzoos. and I'm like, yeah, he's still old, and he's still not going to be a useful you know player. Next, he's not going to be back next year, so it let him have his moment in the sun. But you know, whatever, I was over at 10 minutes after the game ended. It was like, all right, time to move on.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I kind of jumped ahead, but um, that was a game to Shaw. We thought he may be re injured, he kind of smacked his right leg against the boards, going for a check. Uh, as we found out later. Well, at least as of uh, recording this, he di- he hadn't re-injured his leg. He just uh, was a little ginger about it, and he probably tweaked it for a second, and then it kind of finally uh, got blood flow back to it and realized there wasn't a problem. But um, I think that might
1: have been one of the cases where you realize that you're in the conference final, and you have a whole summer to rest up. So Yeah. One of, yeah, you just forget about the pain.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll leave. I think we'll leave their till the end. <laughs> I'm going to leave her till the end. Um, this is where, uh, this game, game five, uh, the Hawks, what they, uh, they took a three, one lead or three, two lead into the second period. And, uh, it was three, two and, uh, Crawford coming off the ice, um, you know, just smacked a stick on the on the boards, and it happens all the time. But the NBC camera caught it, and it was like a big subject between periods. Blah, what Crawford? This he's shaking, and blah blah blah. No, you know what? Corey Crawford's mad. He's mad because the goals that were given up were because of defensive lapses mainly, and you know the Hawks went up three one, or in. They blew, basically, you know, blew a big lead. They could have really put their foot on the throat of the Kings. And Crawford's just mad that, you know, while yes, he's probably a little mad at himself too. He's mad that his defense is playing like as I put it, a couple of labrador puppies chasing a ball around. <laughs> and that's exactly what was going on. The, the defense was running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And, yeah, he had a right to be mad and aggravated about that. I would have been mad and aggravated about that, too. It wasn't that he was shaking. It wasn't that, you know, the Kings were in his head. It was that his defense was letting him down when, you know, he needed him most.
1: So, I would say that me and you have both been in that situation playing goalie where your defense just basically gives up and, you know, you, you're just, they're playing like peewee hockey almost, just like, oh, my God, there's the puck, and they all go over to it. And then you're stuck dealing with, you know, two of the offensive players, you know, getting, you know, multiple chances on you. And then you're the one who has to sit there and take it while they're, you know, running around, like you said, with chickens with their heads cut off. And it just, it, it just gets so frustrating that, you know, it just so happened, you know, NBC caught the breaking of the stick on, on camera.
0: Oh, it, it aggravates me with those guys. They're trying to make something out of it, that, and they completely miss the point of it. It's just aggravating. You'd think Mike Milbury had never seen a hockey game in his life because the only thing that
1: would have made it worse is if Pierre McGuire caught it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Corey Crawford slammed his stick against the boards. Big fucking deal. He's aggravated. He should be. He's a little bit emotional. Good for him. You know, whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> on the Game Six. I didn't
1: have a problem with it, and I'm, I'm a big Crawford critic, and yeah. I, I had no issue with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll get on to Game Six, so uh, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to. Uh, we could spend
1: an hour on Millberry too. So yeah, you know, that yeah. could be a summertime topic as well. Well, that's
0: like uh, Brian Engelblom yesterday. I put this oh, on Twitter God. what he said. Um, he asked Alex Martinez after the game. He goes, "When you shot the puck, did you know it went into the net?" And I'm like, "Okay, yeah." How could you know? Yeah, how could you know when in the net when you just shot the puck? I mean, it didn't make any sense. This question made no sense whatsoever. It was like, (laughs) what were you accomplishing with that question? Ridiculous. So, game six. Um, Game six in LA. This game, I didn't think the Hawks, uh, I mean, while I thought the Hawks may lose in game five, um, I was sure the Hawks were going to lose in game six in L.A. While they had won the previous game, they had only won it in double overtime at home. Uh, I figured they were going to go back to L.A. The Kings were going to lock it down, and it was going to be a series over.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I just, the way that the whole series had gone, you know, the Kings had all the momentum. I thought, you know, it was probably 90% likely that, you know, that was going to be the last game of the year for the Hawks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Hawks went down 1-0. They went one and they went down one nothing then they came back and took a two one lead and then they went down three two so it was another example of the Hawks um getting a lead and losing a lead uh which they did twice on the road you know uh, it doesn't look good when that ha- you know when that happens but um you know, Kane had I, a... oh go ahead
1: you know, I was gonna say you're asking for trouble when you you give up leads like that on the road they were just it, it, pretty much it was just luck to
0: be able to come back like that yeah yeah. Uh, Kane had another big game Sod had another big game Kane had two goals and assists in that game this is uh, I believe in the third period where Quick gave up uh, two goals on three shots and an- did
1: you hear NBC make any issue nope,
0: with that <laughs> not an issue no one <laughs> uh, you didn't hear anyone talking about questionable goalies do you want to trade Quick in the off season? Quick makes too much money nothing you don't hear any of it Yep. two goals on three shots in the third period, game six, at home, in the Western Conference Finals. If I told you Corey Crawford did that, I'd have, you know, I'd have ten guys, uh, you know, clamoring and going on, and I'd have to be like, you are a meathead. A meathead, (laughs) dead from the neck up. I'd have to give him one of those, you know. But, no, it's Jonathan Quick. So, Because he is a funky style, and and he plays in L.A., and he is a Stanley Cup. He's okay, but Crawford has a funky style, and he has a Stanley Cup, and he's not okay. All right, whatever. You know, it just doesn't add up.
1: It's like I said about Crawford. I, I guess he's never going to be considered one of those elite goalies, and, you know, Quick is looked upon elite because he had the, the one year they won the Cup. He had that great year, and then he even had a great regular season. I think it was the year before so they kind of like put him on a pedestal above everybody else and you know Crawford's just going to play catch up trying to become that elite goalie but I I don't think he'll ever be that but you know in this series like like we said time and time again neither goalie was spectacular by any means
0: and I don't think Quicks ever going to do it again because he I mean he it, his stats uh, in that in those playoffs were legendary I mean it's something that it's hard to repeat, and he may never repeat that again. He's maybe a very good goalie. He may be, you know, one of the tops in the league, but he may. I don't. I keep, it's going to be very hard for him to repeat what he did that year. So. I, I, I can't say
1: a hundred percent certain, but I,
0: I heard this on the radio, on
1: NHL radio, uh, with uh, Scott Laughlin today on the way home. Uh, he t- was talking about Quick's Stanley Cup year versus this year, and. To date right now, he, in 2012, he gave up 29 goals in the entire playoffs. And so far in the playoffs this year, he's given up 59.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, it's just, it's it's weird. They were trying to attribute that to the fact that L.A. is scoring more, which was kind of funny, but, you know, whatever. It's just, he is, you know, I, I like quick, but it is almost like it, it, he's getting the Sidney Crosby type treatment when it comes to goalies.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, like I said, I'm a fan of Jonathan Quick, but I don't. I think he's he is Sidney Crosby. As I said last time, is getting his ball sucked yeah. by you know, by NBC and by the by the league. But you know,
1: and for the record too, I thought Crawford probably could have knocked his ass out if they were to if they would have thrown down after that. Uh... I think it was the second per- at the end of the second period when
0: they heard the confrontation. Yeah, see, I missed that. I had like gotten up to get something to eat or something like that. I didn't even see that play. I heard about it. I saw the replay uh, between periods, and then I looked it up on the Internet. And it's actually in my highlight video as well. I actually threw a little clip of that in there. Um, yeah. I don't know what Crawford was really trying to accomplish because I don't know what was... I, I don't know that there was anything really going on. I Maybe Quick was crying... That you know Shaw had fallen over him, but I don't necessarily a reason, see a reason for Crawford to go down there. But hey, you know I like his fire. I like that he's backing up his team. I like that he's confident. Uh, while everyone saw him shake his gloves like like you know they were going to throw down, Quick was never going to do that. No, no.
1: no. It, it would have been funny if they did, but and I I think Crawford would have probably got the better end of it. But yeah, it, it was amusing
0: yeah it was amusing it was entertaining so yeah i'm glad you brought that up because that was actually in in my notes as well uh that was the uh the quick uh crawford confrontation um uh other than that uh you know hey game six you know blackhawks forced to game seven um and they had they had a good portion of the momentum. They had won in double overtime in L. A. Um, or did one won in double overtime at home. Then they had gone to L. A. and won. And uh, you know they had a lot of momentum. Uh, the Hawks looked like they had they were kind of breaking out of their shell a little bit. And then Game Seven comes. The unpredictable
1: Game Seven.
0: Yeah. Um. You know. The game came out. It was a fast and furious pace. It was five goals in the first period. Uh, the Hawks went up 2-0, blew it, um, which, again, blowing a 2-0 lead in the playoffs, you can't do that. Uh, the Hawks, how many times have I said now, the Hawks had their foot on the throat of the Kings, and they could have put them to bed, and uh, they let them back in the game, and this time it killed them. Uh, you know they they went down to they went up to nothing they ended up losing the lead and uh, then they had a three two lead and ended up losing that lead and uh, they actually went down four three I believe it was.
1: I, I was at a party watching the game and when the Hawks went up to nothing on it everyone's getting all excited and I told everybody I'm like I would relax I think the Kings got them right where they want them based on how they've been coming back in the playoffs.
0: Yeah yeah um the the. The goals in uh, the Kings' goals, uh, specifically the Jeff Carter goal, I had an I had an argument. No one seemed to want to make a big deal about it while it was reviewed. I thought it was enough to be considered a high stick goal. Um, you know, the, go, the 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 puck went in on Crawford. It was a low shot. Crawford made the save. It kind of popped up. Uh, he took a weird bounce, popped up in the air, and Kate Carter skated unmolested to the net and whacked it out of the air and it looked at least crossbar high but the league seems to think otherwise. Um,
1: there was one really good angle where it did look like it was above the crossbar and then they gave you the ice level angle and you're like alright you're really going to see this but then the problem was the person in the front row was wearing a black shirt and Carter had a black stick and you're trying to hit a black puck you couldn't see it so it was like it was a combination of just terrible camera angles and the one angle that you got, you couldn't see anything. And, you know, if you don't have the indisputable evidence or whatever the hell it's called, it's, you know, they're not going to overturn it. And it was a, a very close call, but in that situation, I, I you know, I, I guess I didn't really have a problem with the call just because you didn't have a conclusive, you know, angle of if it was above the crossbar.
0: Yeah, and... uh the other thing that I didn't even notice during the game, but it seems to be brought up after the game, was that uh, Carter was off sides.
1: There is one screenshot I saw this morning of it, and the linesman is probably two feet behind the blue line, and from the angle he'd be looking at, it would give him that deceiving look that Carter is on side. But from the camera angle, he's clearly a foot off side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I've, it, seen you two know, different,
0: I've seen two different screenshots, and both of them he was off sides.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to make the case of one play, you know, cost the Hawks a game because it did not. It, it's a blown call. It, it, it happened in the first period, so it's like you, you just got to get over it, and that did not, you know, that's not the reason the Hawks lost the game. It's, it is what it is. It's a blown call. You got to get over those things. No, that was. It sucks that it happened against the Hawks, but, you know.
0: Yeah. Two unfortunate instances in the same play, actually. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, it's bad, but we can't blame it on the rest. It's just those are interesting facts about the game.
1: Yeah, human. I've always lived by the uh, human error as part of the game. Yeah. And the referee's got a hard job. You know, we get the benefit of the doubt 12 hours after the play happened. Oh, look, he's offside. He's yeah. got to make a bang-bang call, so, you know. I don't like to blame the refs
0: on that. Yeah, there's so many times when icing is waved off, and the guy never makes it to the to the center line, or the guy does make it to the center line and they call icing. It happens all the time. Yeah, you know, it's just like you know, uh, you know, a, a, a runner first base that because the play is a spectacular play and the guy you know dove across the diamond, they punch him out even though he's yeah. safe. Um, things like that happen all the time. Um, that's what you're gonna get when you have humans reffing games. Yep. You know. Uh, so whatever. Like I said, I you you and I both agree. It's not the reason they lost the game. It's just some interesting facts to go along with it. Um, the other thing, the other thing I want to go on about, and and I made a big deal about. You know, they were talking about uh, Crawford uh, slamming a stick on the boards and stuff. This is something that aggravated the shit out of me. Was the uh, Right after the, uh, I think it is the, Kings took a 3-2 lead, I believe. Or maybe they tied the game up. No, they tied the game up 12 or 17 seconds later. Sharp comes up the half boards and just throws a shot on net. It was just a nothing shot. He was looking for a rebound. And it bounced in front of Quick and goes right over his pad and into the net. Probably a thirty mile an hour shot. And they're blah blah this with the United Center home you know, home rink advantage, blah blah. You can blame it on the United Center and going on and on and on about how terrible this bounce was. And let me tell you something. The bounce was not that bad. Uh, any goalie, any shortstop in, in in major leagues, and any goalie in the NHL should be able to stop that shot. It's a thirty mile an hour shot. The way Jonathan Quick plays his butterfly, all he had to do is butterfly slide over just a foot, and it would have hit him right in the right in the nads probably. But he yeah. didn't. He was all lazy. All Go ahead. No, he was lazy, and he just tried to kick his leg out and bounced over his leg, and it was all on Quick. That was a quick goal right there. And you could blame it on the ice, you could blame it on the bouncing puck, blah, 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 blah. Jonathan Quick was lazy on that play, and that was all on him.
1: I liked how the announcers tried to say that, oh, that was going at least a foot and a half wide, and then it took a bad curve and had the English on it. It's like, you know, we, we both played goal. You know, bounces like that happen, but it, when they happen on a shot like that, like you said, there's really no reason that you shouldn't stop that. And the laziness, like you said, is exactly what I would attribute that goal to.
0: Yeah. And you know, I mean, you could see when a, when a, a puck is, is rainbowing in and it's going to bounce. You can tell when that puck's going to bounce. I mean, you see pucks all the time and you know, that puck's going to bounce. You have to get your, your entire body. I mean, a catcher is the same way. It's like a catcher, you know, seeing a, 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 you know, a knuckleball come in or a slow curve come in, and just trying to stick his leg out and save it. Yeah. How many catchers in the you know in a major league are you just no? They're going to get their whole and their entire body in front of it. And Jonathan Quick, the way he plays, he butterfly slides everywhere. If you watch the way he slides around the ice, he he was just being lazy on that play. Um, but uh, they're going to go on and on and blame the ice. You don't want to blame Jonathan Quick. God forbid you blame Jonathan Quick for a goal.
1: Yeah, don't want to talk bad about Team USA's goal. No,
0: but if Crawford did that, (laughs) again, if Crawford did that, you know, all hell would break loose. Crawford gave up a soft goal. He was lazy. His head wasn't in the game. I don't, you know, like, I don't think Crawford's an elite goalie, but
1: I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, too, sometimes. And, you know, I I will totally agree with you that if that happened to Crawford, they'd be eating him alive, and, you know, they, they give Quick
0: the pass on it. Yeah, yeah. Um,. I know Quick in his mind knows it was his fault and I know Sharp knows it was his fault. I think
1: Quick's reaction kind of set it all on that one.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we'll just move on to that one, huh? Uh well, um you know, the Hawks defense was pretty pretty bad. Um the entire the entire game. I mean, when you give up a two nothing, when you blow a two nothing lead and you blew a 3-2 lead, um, yeah. but it's entertaining hockey. The uh, the the Gabrick goal was, I mean, points to Gabrick because really uh, the way that thing uh, played out, and for Gabrick to actually get it into the net, there were a lot of circumstances that had to be set forth, and uh, you know he, he pulled it off. Uh, I can't necessarily you know blame Crawford on that, but. I don't know why Gabrick wasn't tied up. Um, I don't know. I can't even. I can't even begin to fathom why the Blackhawks just like Gabrick just ski through untouched. It,
1: that was just a common theme though throughout the entire series. Is you know the Kings forwards down low always seemed to be wide open and never had a body put on them. Yeah, and it stuck out the most with Seabrook. Seabrook was getting beat to loose pucks. It seemed like every game, every, almost every shift. I don't know if that's just me wanting to pick on a guy, but to me, he looked very mediocre to say the you know at best in the series.
0: Yeah, and I want to because I love Seabrook. Uh, I want to defend the poor guy, but um, to a certain degree, I can't. I can't defend him. I mean, he and, did look slow. He looked all like he too was,
1: often, he was he was gliding. He wasn't skating towards yeah. the puck.
0: He didn't keep his legs moving. I mean, maybe he's nursing, you know, an injury that he couldn't move like he normally could. But he yeah. was not the Seabrook that we're used to, and it's unfortunate. But you know, it, you would have liked to have seen him if you know some of the rumors are true that they may try to uh, dangle him uh, this summer. You'd like to see him play a little bit better, and so you can get more form. But
1: kills that trade
0: value. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, oh, sorry, but um, yeah. King tied the game late. Um, the new uh, defensive pairing of Keith and Jamerson. Uh, you can we can kind of attribute that to them.
1: I see Dr. Weinblender made it to the uh defensive core now,
0: huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess they had to kinda of do something, but I don't yeah. know I don't know if it was good or bad, but you know, Johnson is still uh as solid as can be. But you're you know and Keith is gonna be there too, but the rest of the defense, you know, they were kinda of hit or miss. When Roosevelt's being, you know, a steady <laughs> a steady yeah. guy in the back end, uh, you you gotta worry. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, you know, as things uh, would have it, uh, in overtime, uh, long shot by Martinez hits off Nicoletti, who tried to block it and popped over Crawford and into the net. I mean, that's season right there, uh, you watched we watched our season end right before our eyes. Uh, that's
1: what makes game sevens so great, but so agonizing too, because it's one bounce like that that, you know, ends the season, and it's, it sucks, but, you know, you kind of, if you threw in everything into the equation of yesterday, you know, you had the long series, you had another overtime game, you had heat and humidity, so the ice wasn't probably going to be great, it all kind of, you kind of got the feeling that it was going to be an ugly goal like that, that was going to end the game for, you know, for either team, and it just so happened that the Hawks were on the short end of the stick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think the Hawks were gonna make it that far. Um everyone can go out there and say I believed in the Blackhawks, blah blah blah. But um hey, uh after going down three one and fighting back, um they just you know it 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 had it had to do with a bounce. One bounce that didn't go the Blackhawks way. They were one bounce away from making it back to the Stanley Cup final. And I can't fault them. I I it was a great season. Uh, so, you know, I can I can Sleep at night, and while it's disappointing, I could sleep at night saying the Blackhawks had an excellent season. I mean, they went, they won the Stanley Cup last year, and uh, like I said, they played a lot of hockey, and uh, they made it to this, the, uh, the Western Conference Final. So,
1: yeah, that's what I, I kind of wrote about today. I didn't, uh, I didn't decide to do a recap on the game. I just kind of threw in my two cents because I had heard on um, on talk radio and read a lot of comments about people just trashing the Hawks, saying that you know it's a failure, they're not a dynasty. Well, first of all, to me, I could give a rat's ass about a dynasty talk because if you would have told me 10 years ago that the Hawks would have been in the conference finals three times out of the last five years or uh, you know, two Stanley Cups in five years, any of us who sat through what we did 10 years ago would gladly take what they got right now. And, you know, at the same time, while well, it's, it's disappointing how the season ended, to me, I can't call it a failure based on taking everything into consideration. If they would have lost in five games, then I probably would have leaned towards, yeah, it's a failure, but the fact that they battled back, made it a series when they really didn't have any business doing that, to me, it just it just aggravated the hell out of me to sit there and hear people just trash them saying, oh, this sucks, it's a failure, this and that. It's like, you know what, to me, you know, the the this, the disappointment's going to be there for a little bit, but At the same time, you know, it was a great season. You know, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup over Detroit this year. So, you know, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Anyone who says the Blackhawks are a failure this year is an asshole.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it it really did piss me off. There's a difference between being disappointed and a failure. You know, and it, it, it was disappointing. And I think people are letting that disappointment get to them. And that's what just... That made me just shut off, you know, sports radio talk today.
0: Well, I, I'm glad I didn't listen to it this morning because I, I, I'd, I'd drive into the building if I could find it because I cannot handle it. I cannot handle it. I, luckily, I've uh, got my vehicle back, and I don't have to listen to sports radio in the morning now uh, because I, I'd want to kill myself.
1: Uh, yeah, the, the only good part for me is on the way to and from work in my car, I do have... Uh, serious uh radio so in the morning uh the hockey this morning guys are fantastic and uh you know they really make common sense out of the thing and i don't have to sit there and listen to mully and hanley try to act like they know what they're talking about
0: yeah that's the good part about having my truck is i have nhl radio well when they when i have the the free uh <laughs> the free subscription <laughs> yeah which drives me fucking crazy because it's like every six weeks they give you a week for free just to give you a little taste of it. And and I'm not paying extra money for it, I'd say that right now. I'm a big NHL fan, but whatever. I went over this before. Pain in the ass. (laughs) So, but yeah, so that's that's really it. I mean, I don't want to get too much into, um, I mean, really, it's still fresh. The wound is fresh. We've got a lot to think about. Um, I could just, I can definitely say that um, someone had asked me who the free agents were, uh, and I did look it up. Um, ben Smith, uh Jeremy Warren are restricted free agents. Um Zeus is uh UFA. Uh Sheldon Brookbank is UFA. Uh Ranta is the RFA. So I we really don't have too much to worry about as far as uh, the Blackhawks go. Uh we may we may see some moves, Christopher Yeah. <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, let's actually revisit that before before we before we wrap things up chris for chris fucking Versteeg. um the the big trade deadline uh acquisition from San Bowman failed fucking miserably. <laughs> what a nightmare that guy he was useless um
1: yeah it, it was bad.
0: I wrote about it in my recap he uh it's like it's to a, it got to a point where every time he touched a puck... You just put your head in your hands. You just do, you know, facepalm because you knew he wasn't going to do anything worthwhile. He was going to end up turning over the puck, and he did. He ended up with the puck on a stick, uh, 10, 12 feet uh, in the slot, uh, right out in front of quick. And uh, Drew Doughty just ran into him from behind and just knocked him over. And I said, anyone, anyone but Christopher Stieg, please, anyone but Christopher Stieg needs to get that puck. And uh, I mean, it, if the Blackhawks can't unload him somehow, I don't know what the what the fuck. You got to get rid of that guy. Um, you, you retain salary. I don't care what you do, but you got to get rid of Christopher State. He's got to go. Uh, I'll you gotta, take
1: some blue line paint, some spare glass, anything for the guy. I mean, at that point, I don't. It, it's just it's a it's a failed experiment. Cut your losses and let it go. <laughs> And it's, it sounds easier said than done yeah. because, you know, you've got to look at teams that are, you know, the only team that might even consider taking him is somebody that's got to reach the salary cap floor.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's gone to show that he's, you know, he's really done, doesn't have much left.
1: And, you know, it speaks volume, too, because, you know, Florida was, what, his third team since he had been traded from the Hawks? So, it's yeah. like, you know what, when the guy bounces around, there's really, you know, some questions you could a- ask about the guy.
0: No, he went, to, he went to Toronto that was fucking terrible. And, and then they he didn't went to want Philly, him. right? Yeah, then he went to Philly, and they didn't want him back because they didn't even use him in the playoffs, really. And then he ended up in Florida, and uh, Florida really didn't want him. But, of course, Stan Bowman.
1: Yeah, they gotta please the people that are stuck in 2010.
0: We'll get the band back together, fucking meatheads. <laughs> and and here we are, you know. Uh, well, now we have Chris Ristig at whatever. Uh, two point
1: two.
0: Yeah, well, we they re, his actual salary is more than two point two. It's, but his, his reti- salary,
1: I think, is four point eight million.
0: Yeah, but, but Ford his, cap hit, it. his cap okay. hit
1: is four point four. Yeah. So the the Panthers are paying half of that salary cap. Yeah, hit,
0: but I don't know which. Is are they doing that for every year of his of his because there's two more years left on his contract. From
1: it? what I saw, that that is what his cap hit is on uh, Cap Peak. It said two point two the next two years for the Hawks.
0: Uh, well, if that's I, even even that's too much. I mean, that's way too much. If,
1: if people were ripping uh, leak for making too much money, you know, at Boland. Frolik
0: was making two point three million.
1: Yeah, and he was a productive player too. That's the you know that's the thing. Is people don't want to save for bad because you know? Oh my God, he's a you know he was so fun on that 2010 team. The guy is horrible. I mean, there's no other way to put it. No, yeah. It, and those... if he thought if he really thought shaving the playoff beard into the handlebar mustache was going to change his luck, that's another thing coming because he was actually worse yesterday in my mind.
0: No, if there's anything that's, that says I'm an asshole, it's the handlebar mustache. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just,
1: I, there's no way that he can, I was actually stunned that he was in the lineup yesterday.
0: I don't know why they did it. I mean, I said it before the game, when you're clamoring for Sheldon Brookbank. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> over Chris Versteeg, I mean, there's something fucking wrong.
1: Yeah. There's
0: something seriously wrong. I mean, Sheldon Brookbank, if forward no less, you're is going to play a defenseman over him? Come on. I mean. Yeah.
1: Remember that video the Blackhawks put out with the Welcome Back soundtrack to it? Oh
0: my what, God.
1: Yeah, how long ago does that feel?
0: <laughs> how stupid does that look? Jesus. Yeah. What a waste of time. It was just, it was a total
1: failed experiment. And, you know, people are going to look back on it now and say, oh, we shouldn't give up Jimmy Hayes. But again, I, I was not a big Jimmy Hayes fan either. So like the trade-offs. Trade offs okay in my mind.
0: Yeah, he's a big body. He wasn't making a ton of money, and uh, he's young. But that's what he had going for him. Whether yeah. or not he's going to pan out in the NHL, who knows. But, um, you know, he had, I think he had more upside than Chris Versteeg. That's what I will say. Because yeah, at least he had potential. Chris Versteeg has mind, no potential left.
1: I didn't mind Versteeg coming back, but, it, it, you know, it's just it, it cut your losses now. Make it better, you know, just get rid of the guy, admit I, you made a mistake.
0: I should go back and find out what I wrote about that when Verstee came back because I'm sure I said something to the effect of uh, you, you assholes all forget about all the complaining you did in the playoffs when Chris Verstee wouldn't dub the puck deep and he turned the puck over in the neutral zone and it came back the other way. Well, look where we're at now. It's okay. the same shit, except he's even worse at it. So... <laughs>
1: I call it the blue line turnover-itis. It, it, and he hasn't been able to shake it.
0: Like, like damn it, Versteeg. That, that's like, the <laughs> you know.
1: I actually devoted the game five recap to just about Chris Versteeg and how awful he was.
0: Yeah. I, I had the perfect thing, the uh, human dog poop, pu- or uh, <laughs> this is burning dog poop in the human response. <laughs> and the answer is, cr- damn it, Versteeg. Yeah. So... Whatever,
1: I think that's probably the only. I would probably say that's ninety nine percent the uh, roster change that will happen is Christopher Steve will not be back. Some way, somehow, he can't be back.
0: No, he can't. There's nothing you can do with him. He's useless. No. And you bury him in the minors. you still got to pay him. So yeah, I mean, well, well
1: maybe not. him and Tevu could tear it up in uh, Rock Vegas next year.
0: Yeah, <laughs> check check out the. Uh, that's worth a road trip. <laughs> check out the Rock Vegas Olive Garden. <laughs> oh God! Picking up some Rockford hook trixies. <laughs> I almost said hookers, <laughs> which is you know hookers, trixies is about the same thing. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh so let's we're we're going in about an almost uh, we're coming up on two hours, so I think we're gonna wrap this up uh as the summer goes on. Uh, we'll probably we'll try to keep it up every other week um we may not be able to because there may not be much to talk about um but we'll try to keep it up for uh for the summer at least and then we'll ramp up for uh training camp the we'll do a little bit on the draft because the draft is i'm about as you know well versed on the draft as anyone is Uh, you know any average fan is which is not well at all yeah that's
1: that's what i'm going to devote the next couple weeks to is uh you know, draft and, uh, you know, prospects that we could possibly see, um, down the line here in Chicago. But, uh, for me, the two dates, I have circled. Number one is the draft, because I really do think, uh, there may be a major acquisition made by the Hawks at the draft. I just, I got a weird feeling that John McDonough is not going to sit here and, you know, just be idle. He's going to want a Stanley Cup, and I think he's going to finally listen to the fans get a goddamn second line center already
0: yeah well that being said um i heard something interesting and i don't even know you know i i I got nothing to go by on any of this but that um mike richards in la the way he's played whatever the case is uh that he maybe get bought out this summer um which could be interesting
1: you read if that, is, too, then.
0: Yeah, if he's still got something in the I, tank. I
1: read it as well. Yeah, yeah if
0: he still got something in the tank, hey, can it hurt? I don't think so. But, I mean, really, he's got to still have I something left too, in the tank.
1: I think he's still got stuff left in the tank. It's just so much that I, I want a guy who's who's got the leadership qualities. And I think, you know, if, as long as he could be – he doesn't have to put the puck in the net necessarily, but if he could just be like – keep up with Kane you know on the on the offensive side I think that will A help Kane and then B you know Richards is a hell of a defensive forward too so you could insert him on the PK you can insert him on the power play if you have to you know he kind of just I'm looking for a guy that could fill that void and the bigger thing is if LA were to buy him out you know maybe he doesn't you know take the max deal maybe he takes a Curtis Brown approach hey I'm being bought out by somebody I'll sign here for less you know you never know
0: well, well, I mean, you can't say for a chance to win a cup because he may win the cup with LA. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but if he gets bought out, uh, you know, who who may be the next best, which is the Blackhawks? I yeah. don't know. I got I nothing mean, there, to go by. So There's
1: names out there, but right now, you know, if you go with Ryan Kessler, Joe Thornton, those guys make a lot of money, and the Hawks are definitely going to have to, you know, purge a contract or two to to make that happen. Whereas Richards. A little more cap friendly, and especially if he were to get bought out by you know LA, you know he probably wouldn't take you know uh, a massive cap hit like you know like a Kessler or a Thornton.
0: No, for a second chance, who knows? Yeah. I mean, like I said, we we have nothing to go by on that. It's just a name we a name I heard today thrown out there. Because I may- even
1: heard it too on uh, on Friday. Um, Bill Waters was on uh, NHL Network Radio on Friday at night. And he had mentioned something like, uh, with Dave Bolin, he goes, I think he's going to go back to Chicago. And it's like, oh, do we really need to go down that
0: road again? Why in the fuck would the Blackhawks want Dave Bolin? <laughs> They got <laughs> well, rid of him talking for a about reason.
1: The former assistant GM in Toronto saying that. So
0: I kind of laughed, laughed when I heard that. This is the same Dave Bolin that thinks he he, he deserves over $5 million a year. He's out of his if, goddamn mind. If he could stay healthy. Which he I won't. I wouldn't even pay him that much. He's not—he's
1: worth what he got last time. He's an under four million dollar player.
0: No, I mean once you, once you're damaged goods, you're pretty much damaged goods for good. And yeah, you're tainted. Yeah, he's been injured more than he's been healthy, and the Blackhawks have no need for him. They let him—they willingly let him go for a reason. Yeah. So, if, if anyone who thinks that the Blackhawks are going to pick David Bolin up. Is I that,
1: thought it was. I, I literally started laughing in my car on the way home from work.
0: Right, I, 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 yeah, I've been laughing at, at Toronto. You know, at, at, at the prospect that Toronto may give him five million dollars a year—that's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah, if, if Toronto gives him five million dollars a year, I think they should lose every game for like eternity. Because with Clarkson and him and what they gave to FNUF, I mean, they're, they're they're just a bunch of goddamn idiots up there. Don't forget Kessel, either. Fucking cement heads, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, anyway, but, yeah. Didn't mean to get off on a tangent on that, but that was, yeah, interesting stuff. It sets us up perfect for the summertime uh, yeah. podcast. For, or for or sure. shoutcast, I should say. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, man. So I think we're going to wrap things up. Um couple things as we wrap up um uh, let's, i want to mention uh if you get if people get a chance to visit my man john at black and tan sports on facebook at uh, facebook.com slash black and tan sports um if you need get jerseys done for your league games men's league games whatever um he also does you know uh, pro authentic jerseys i have an authentic seabrook jersey that i got from him he did an excellent job on it um i've got probably half a dozen league different league jerseys um he does an excellent job he designs really good jerseys um they last a long time they're not the cheap ass you know silkscreen screen jobbers so uh visit john at uh, black and tan sports you can find it on facebook and uh, he'll design a jersey for you for your teams and they'll last a while um again um you can find my boy Pat here uh, on the Twitters at Patrick underscore Stankis and at PuckRant.com. Uh, if you somehow found me by mistake or, this, or the shoutcast by mistake, uh, it must have really been by mistake because, uh, uh, you know, obviously my website's all over the place. But uh, if you found me by mistake, uh, it's PuckinHostel.com, BlackhawksNews.com, and Blackhawksblog.com will all get to the same place. Um, Puck and Hostel on Twitter and uh, Facebook.com slash and Hostel. A um, couple shout-outs just to, to wrap things up um, to the guys at the Committed Indian. Um, my buddies at uh, HockeyNight.com. Chris Block, Chris Block at the Third Man Inn and Puck Chatter Radio. And the guys at uh, Cheer the Anthem. Those are, uh, you know, some guys that uh some badasses check their stuff out and uh i don't know pat you got any shout outs anything you want to throw out there before we wrap it up
1: uh i just want to say thanks to everybody who's uh checked out uh puckrant.com uh lots of good writers on there um you know thanks for reading my stuff on there as well uh thanks to you for having me on here uh it's been a great time uh yeah, you know, just uh, thanks. Like I said, just big thanks to everybody out there for reading and listening. Uh, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's great, man. I'm I'm glad we uh, put this thing together, and it's uh, it's got some good momentum. I'm it's been see. a fun. It's been a
1: fun year, you know, uh, uh, with the opportunity of puck rant and here now with you on uh, the puck and hostile Shopcast. So, uh, really can't complain, and just very thankful for yeah. everybody that that reads and listens.
0: Yeah, it's great. I'm glad. Like I said, I'm glad we could put it together, and. Uh so let's we'll just keep the momentum going and we'll rock it into next season and uh...
1: yeah, we'll, I'll still be here over the summer too. Uh, probably, you know, won't be blogging as much on Puck Rant. Maybe you know once or twice a week, but uh, any news that breaks, you know, free agency news, uh, draft news, might be putting together uh, some fun stuff too, like maybe. Uh, uh, biggest blackhawks draft bus tournament or something like that so uh keep it tuned to me uh, at patrick underscore Stagas on twitter uh for any other news
0: cool awesome man well uh everyone have a good night and uh don't be a meathead